You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Amanda. Today we are talking about 94-year-old Anna Rocknick. She had lived in a single-story brick bungalow in Harmony Township in Beaver County for over 30 years. She was sharp as a tack and knew almost all the neighbors by name, including the police chief. She spent time teaching the children on a secluded street how to knit, was an avid churchgoer, and even at the age of 94, cooked and cleaned her own house. In fact, a friend of the church said Anna's house was always immaculate. Anna was a widow, and her husband passed away about 10 years prior. She had a daughter and two granddaughters, plus other relatives, since she was one of eight children. On Christmas Eve 2005, Anna Rocknick climbed into bed expecting to spend the next day celebrating the holiday with her family. Anna was startled awake by a noise in her bedroom. When she opened her eyes, she saw a man searching through her dresser in the bedroom. Without hesitation, Anna asked the man what he was doing. He immediately said, I want your money, in which she replied, I don't have any money. He asked again, this time more enraged, I want your money. At this point, he proceeded to hit Anna over the head multiple times with a blunt object. After scattering all the contents of the dresser all over the bedroom searching for money he left. Anna was able to drag herself to a walker and walk 20 feet to the phone where she called her brother-in-law at around 2.32 a.m., who then told her, um, call 911. When police arrived, they found Anna beaten badly but still alert and walking around because she refused to sit down on her couch and get blood on it. She told police that, quote, the devil got her. She was transported to Allegheny General Hospital where she succumbed to her injuries six hours after the attack at 9.25 a.m. Beaver County Coroner was shocked that the woman of her age was alert and talking after such a brutal attack. Yeah, seriously, what a badass. It's so sad because she probably could have lived until 100. Oh, I totally agree. Police immediately shifted their investigation to a homicide and started processing for evidence. Now, you know that Anna's own account that there is a man in her bedroom, but what they didn't know was that Anna's vision wasn't the greatest without her glasses, so she wasn't able to see anything other than it was a white male and he appeared to be younger. According to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Police Chief Lively said, quote, young to a 94-year-old woman is a relative term, end quote. Police found that the front door of her home had been pried open, possibly with a crowbar or a tire iron. After gaining access, he went through the house methodically, pulling out drawers and neatly placing them on the floor before searching them individually. He had raided the living room, two bedrooms, before he made his way to Anna's. Everyone that knew Anna knew that she didn't keep cash in her home. She paid her $30 lawn bill by check. On December 27th, church members, neighbors, friends, and family volunteered to help police and fire officers search the neighborhood with clues leading to Anna's attack. Police recovered a crowbar in the neighbor's yard and sent it off for testing. They believe that the crowbar or tire iron was used to gain entry into the house before bludgeoning Anna. One neighbor reported his side view mirror was broken and another neighbor said they saw a male wandering at 1.30 in the morning. I couldn't find any information regarding the results of the crowbar or if they were able to get a description of the person walking around. Police spoke to everyone they could and compiled a list of their top 10 suspects. Between December 29th and 30th, police received four calls, all pointing the finger at one guy who happened to be on the top 10 list. 
The suspect, Justin, was out on bail for robbery, has a history of assault, and had a warrant for his arrest for forgery and receiving stolen property. Justin volunteered to come in for questioning with his mother and even gave police permission to have his vehicle towed and checked for evidence. His black Chevy Silverado was found parked at Footland Ambridge. Police noticed it had a damaged side view mirror that may have caused the damage to the truck on the scene. So how old was he that his mother went with him? Was he a minor? I believe he was 25 at the time. Hmm. Okay. I mean, if I was 25 and being questioned in something, I would probably make my mom go with me, but I'm also a wuss with literally anything. So. Yeah, actually, I'd probably call my dad if we're being honest here. So. <laughs> so he does have an extensive record. He was charged with burglary in 2005, November of 2005, just prior to Anna's death. And he was sentenced to a maximum of two months of prison in November of 2006. So he actually didn't have a bail hearing until January of 06. And bail hearings are usually set from what I understand, between 48 to 72 hours after you're arrested. So he was definitely on the streets during the time of Anna's murder. He also has a history of uh, charges, drug charges for possession and um, intent to manufacture and deliver. So one theory that was brought up was that it was random. According to an article that I read online, it was believed that police thought Anna's attacker was a drug addict and searching for money or searching to, to take things so that they could sell for drugs. But it was never confirmed that anything was missing from the house. So kind of a random thought here. Uh, now, obviously, you know, she ended up dying from this. Her injuries were bad and I'm not making light of any of that. But when we look at the fact that, um, she had her wits about her enough to be able to call her brother-in-law. She was then able to call 911. She knew that she wanted to keep walking so she didn't get blood on the couch. Like, she was kind of with it. So it definitely feels like it wasn't a personal attack on her. Because if someone was for some reason attacking her, you'd think that she wouldn't be that cognizant after being attacked to be able to make two phone calls and know that she wants to stand up and walk. Um, so I just feel like it fits that this would be random, even if it was planned that someone wanted to rob her, she was a random person. She just happened to wake up while she was being robbed sort of thing. It definitely makes sense. I think it's kind of weird that they, took all the drawers out individually and searched them quietly and methodically. I don't know if they knew something was in there or if that's just, it just seems weird. Were the drawers fully out yeah. or were they just pulled out like, but hanging in place, like in a dresser, you, you can pull the drawer out or was it fully out and on the floor somewhere? Supposedly, according to reports, it was fully out and laying on the floor. And then they were methodically searched. Maybe he had been casing the place. Maybe he was some sort of maintenance worker that maybe knew the general layout of her house. It's possible. I mean, I know she had a, a guy that came and did the lawn care because um, you know, she had friends or family that mentioned she would pay him by check. Um, and so does my grandma. I mean, but I don't know that 
her lawn maintenance guy. I don't know what to call him, but I don't know if her landscaper would be a good word for it. Um, like knows the layout of her house beyond, oh, here's where the bathroom closest to the door is. I guess it would depend on who would be in her house. Um, but it seems like she would have family close. It just catches me off guard that you would pull the drawers out and lay them down. I mean, I get the whole being quiet and methodical. It just seems really weird to search to that extent without being familiar. Maybe he wanted to see if there was anything that fell behind the drawers and he was just being super thorough. That's true. Maybe he had OCD. (laughs) Ah, yes. The OCD robber. Sure, it happens, but... I'm sure. So there is this group called Students Conquering Cold Cases, and it's all students majoring in criminal justice or political science at the University of Pittsburgh. It was established in 2015 when Nicole Coons um, created the idea of having a club after she gained interest in the Courtney Stauffer case near her hometown. The club uses social media and other modern day sources to gain information about cold cases, which also... They have a really good working relationship with local law enforcement and gives them access to confidential information that the public doesn't have access to. The hope is that the students gain real-world experience while bringing the victim's families justice. In 2018, they had over 24 members, and they started to focus on two cases, one being Anna's and the other being the brutal rape and murder of 74-year-old Stephanie Coyle, which we actually will talk about later on. In 2020, 15 years after the brutal attack, Harmony Township Police and Beaver County detectives took another look at the case. Technology had advanced since then, and they were hoping to find new results with DNA to lead to Anna's killer. They also spent time interviewing. Unfortunately, they have no new leads, but police did report that they have a few new people of interest that they just need more evidence to move forward with prosecution. I wonder if there were other cases of break-ins with possibly not someone waking up. Maybe it was intentionally just to be a break-in to steal something, and it escalated when she woke up. I wonder if there was other cases in the area of robberies that could be connected. So I didn't find any directly. I know that the Stephanie Coyle case um, is similar. There wasn't anything taken, and she was brutally, horrifically assaulted. Um, And I don't believe anything was taken, but they also didn't have signs of anything being searched methodically like that either. So I'm not super sure if there was anything else in the area. The only thing I can think of with the drawers, because my brain keeps going back to that now is, and of course it's me. So it relates to Gilmore girls, but there's an episode of Gilmore girls where one of the roommates is being very awkward on the first day of moving in. And she just blurts out, Did you know that when somebody breaks into your house, they always start at the bottom drawer so they don't have to push it back in? So, like, if you start in the bottom drawer and you look through something, you don't have to push it back in to move to the next drawer. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. Right? I wonder if that plays into, like, oh, if I take the drawer out, I can look through it and I don't have to worry about putting it back in. It does still seem weird that it would be out, but maybe there was some element of... I don't have to close this and make even more noise, although taking a drawer out tends to make make a lot of noise. It sounds like they were looking for something really specific. 
Like yeah. she must have had something that was really, really valuable. And I guess money, they don't, but like something. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they don't say what that is though. Mm-mm. Or if they ever found Didn't that. Didn't he say, according to her report, something about like, give me your money. Yeah. Yeah. I want your money. Maybe he just expected that she's older and that she keeps money in the house. A lot that of people don't do that anymore. But we're talking back in 2005, and she's older when they rely more on cash than credit. Well, and a lot of people that lived through the Great Depression or had family that lived through the Great Depression tended to keep more of their money and their savings in cash because they would you know, be afraid that the, the banks would fail again and they'd no longer have access to their money. So it was definitely common. Or we're thinking about it way too hard, and it was a drug addict that just really needed a fix. <laughs> Very true. Very true. There is that, that option. Um, so Anna's brother-in-law visited the police station every week to ask about the case until he passed away. He never stopped searching for answers, and police aren't either. If you have any information, no matter how small the detail, please contact Beaver County Crime Solvers tip line at 724-774-2000 or the Beaver County Detective Bureau at 724-773-8550. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember to never reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any information. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Amanda. Find all our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance by Darren Makins. Please join us next week for another case to sleuth out.